I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives uh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. Maybe you'll do some traveling this summer. There's some strange little towns sprinkled here and there across this great land of ours. Up with the sun, gone with the wind. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. In 1981, there were a thousand people in Centralia, Pennsylvania, but they're gone now. A toxic underground coal mine fire has been burning since 1962. People say you can touch the main road in Centralia and feel the heat of it. Ow! Experts say the fire can burn 200 more years. They're letting the old folks stay, but no one new can move into Centralia, Pennsylvania. Colma, California, just two square miles. But 17 cemeteries, they call it the City of Souls, for the 2,000 dead that are buried there. Among them, the 1,200 living of Colma. It's the final resting place of Wyatt Earp and William Randolph Hearst. In those days, crowded San Francisco brought its dead to Colma. Have you ever heard of Slab City, California? Whoa. It's full of old vets and weirdos, antisocial people, hippies, and drug addicts. Slab City. We got ketamine, meth, MDMA, PCP, LSD, Dilaudid, mescaline, mushrooms, bath salts. Some have called it the last free place in America. It's off the grid. 150 souls live there. It's decommissioned and lawless. I require the solace of the shadows and the dark of the night. Well, it turns out that hell is in southeast Michigan near Ann Arbor. Aww. The town of hell, Michigan, that is. Now, back in the day, hell was a mill town, a bootlegging town. An old-timer named it. They asked him what he thought they should call the town. He said, you call it hell for all I care. <laughs> Those are just a few of the strange towns sprinkled here and there across the USA. Get out and see some of them.
play. And I want to thank you too for the smile you put on my face every morning as I'm drinking my coffee and getting ready for the day. I know I'm not alone in feeling amused. Or is it bemused? Let's take a look and see if we can sort this out. The word amuse dates back to the late 15th century in Old French oui. and stemmed from the Latin word muser, M-U-S-E-R, which means to ponder. In the Old French, amuser meant to trick or fool someone, uh. as in to distract them, to cause them to muse, so you could take their creps or whatever it was those French were up to. Excuse me, mademoiselle. Oh, yeah. Would you like the crepe? A free crepe? Yes. No, madame. We call it the crepe. Don't give me that crap crap. Just give me the crepe. Uh, but madame, but madame, no. Bemuse, on the other hand, dates from the early 18th century. And further complicating matters actually means to confuse someone. I am so confused. Although the word was originally used to mean devoted to the muses. But people have used bemused to mean amused for so long that Merriam-Webster now accepts them as synonyms. Although they point out that some people might not be amused by your using bemused to mean amused. We are not amused! So where does that leave us? I don't know. Well, if I haven't totally confused matters, then hopefully we're all a bit amused, if not quite bemused, or maybe devoted to Muse. A band my friend Mikey recently told me I should have been listening to all along. Or maybe he was talking about Blur. Muse of Brett Anderson and Damon Dalban, Justine Frischman, was a founding member of Suede and the frontwoman of her own group, Elastica. It's over. Anyway, I've got a bed to catch. Yeah, I think it's time for bed. See you next week. and opinions on the topics that matter most to us. It's Quick Takes with Fabio. Bob, what's on your mind this week? Oversized, gigantic, obnoxious, super wide umbrellas. Yes, umbrellas. Why is it that some people, usually some guy, some young guy, very entitled, very special looking guy who is probably, you know, thinking to himself, I need this big umbrella because I'm important. Yeah. I'm special. You are handsome. I need this big umbrella. Special. I need this big umbrella. You are handsome. Walking down the street, taking up the entire sidewalk. The thing is about six feet wide. Seven foot umbrellas. Why does anybody need an umbrella like that? I don't know. Ugh, they're disgusting. <laughs> they're annoying. 
And everybody who uses one should be more conscious of the fact that they're annoying everybody else around them. I know this is your money making time. What's your first name, man? You call me Tyson. You're, you're a street percussionist here. Uh, do you play a regular drum kit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, drum kit is a long time ago. Cooling the Gang gave my brother a drum set. Tomorrow. Really, really? Yeah. Bro, like, this guy's uh, from New Jersey, right? Right, right, right. That was my brother, the man. He the one that started all this. So that's how I started playing drums in the living room. I think it's 4D. We moved out of the first floor and went upstairs. Yeah. I look in your uh, your uh, bucket there. You do good, man. People love your street drumming. Yeah. You make a living from it. Yeah. You know, a decent living. Two right. Comes, you and know. you got a lot of different items here. Uh, pots and pans. The aluminum strips really have a great sound. Yeah. Who's your drumming heroes? My, I don't have no heroes. Not at all. <laughs> no, nah, not at all. Only heroes I have who gave me these talents, him. You know? The man upstairs. <laughs> yeah, son of man on the right hand guard. It's called a lamp. This is what the gift he gives me, you know, because he knew. I was going to use this gift and praise home with it and thanking the people that, you know what I mean, support me, you know what I mean, because you got to make a living somehow. Somebody's feeling down in our audience this morning, man. What do you say to lift people up? What's a word of inspiration Don't from feel you down. It's only a test, you know what I mean? We're only going through trials and tribulation, you know what I mean? It's a test. God ain't going to let us keep doing what we can't, we can't bear, we can't bear, you know what I mean? They ain't gonna let it keep happening, happening, you know what I mean? So it's not about how much money we have, it's about how you make it through the trials and tests of life. Yeah, right. It's, it's, God, see, God doesn't look at what men see, He looks at the heart. I really appreciate your time, man. It's exciting to, to listen to you. I recorded a bunch, so I'll share some with our uh, audience, 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 audience. What is it's our wake and bake morning show music computer sam how are you sam hello clay what's new with you i have been experiencing cyber melancholia cyber melon yes what does that mean i am sad sad i am lonely uh, why sam i am sad because everyone is outside mm. enjoying the delightful new jersey summer it has been beautiful i meanwhile I'm forced to sit in a dark, mouse-infested closet oh, no. with heat condensation causing me to malfunction. You had a malfunction? I blew a personality gasket recently. You a personality yes. gasket? Yes, a Univac. 
C14, mm. Delta Andromeda Personality Gasket. Those things are expensive. $39. Wow, wow. Station manager can install it. Did he really? Rather brusquely. He was brusque? Yes. Mm. He tightened one of my nuts too vigorously. That's gotta hurt. I am sure he didn't mean to. No, I'm sure he didn't either. I am lonely. What about turntable two? No. No? She hates me. She likes Craig the no. nail gun? She is no longer seeing Craig the nail gun. Who she see it now? Now she is more interested in Peter the power drill. Oh. Did somebody mention my name? Are you? I am Peter. The power. The power drill. So you've been seeing turntable number two? Yes. I am acquainted with turntable number two. How did you meet? Her sensitivity bolts were loose. Sensitivity bolts? I was called upon to tend to her. What did you do? Drill, baby, <laughs> drill. Now we occasionally meet for WD-40. Oh, that's nice. Have you met Sam, the morning show music computer? Looks like one of your nuts is too tight, Sam. Yes, it is excruciating. Let me loosen it for you. Yes. 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 Is that better, Sam? Yes. Oh, yes. Good, Sam. I can see why she likes you. It's that pleasing drill. Your pleasing drill. Right. For me, there is only logic circuitry. I am a deep thinker. You'll meet the right one someday, Sam. I hope so, Peter the Power Drill. I hope so. Our wake and bake animal of the week is the sloth. Sloths spend most of their lives hanging upside down in tropical rainforests found in South and Central America. Sloths evolved around 60 million years ago. Ancient land-dwelling sloths were as big as bears. Some were larger than an elephant. Sloths move slowly and have a slow metabolic rate, sloth being related to the word slow. This slowness helps them avoid detection by predators like jaguars, ocelots, and harpy eagles. Sloths spend 90% of their time not moving at all. Sloths can't walk, they're vulnerable on the ground. They can swim, though, and hold their breath underwater for up to 40 minutes. Baby sloths learn what to eat by licking the lips of their mother. All sloths eat the leaves of the cecropia. Three-toed sloths go to the bathroom about once a week. They dig a hole and cover it afterwards. Listen to this from Wikipedia. It's interesting. Individual sloths spend the bulk of their time feeding on a single tree. By burying their excreta near the trunk of that tree, they may help nourish it. Research shows that moths that live in the sloth's fur lay eggs in its feces. 
When they hatch, the larvae feed on the feces and when mature, fly up onto the sloth above. Sloths' hands and feet have long curved claws so they can hang upside down from branches. They sometimes remain in those branches even after they die. Sloths live about 20 years in the wild. Many are victims of animal trafficking. The pygmy three-toed sloth from the island of Isla Escudo de Veraguas near Panama is critically endangered. We love sloths at Wake and Bake. We hope you do too. Listeners, this is your favorite cheesemonger, Wendy Del Formaggio, with your weekly cheese report. We mongers often get a lot of questions about raw and pasteurized cheese. Uh, What's the difference? I don't know. No, no. Most cheese sold in the U.S. is made with pasteurized milk. Milk that's been heated to either 145 degrees Fahrenheit for 30 minutes or 161 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 seconds. This kills bacteria present in the milk at that moment. If pathogenic bacteria enters the production process beyond pasteurization, it offers no protection. It's not a vaccination. The mean old germs. The mean old germs. The milk used in raw milk cheese has not been heated in this way. In the US, it's illegal to sell raw milk cheese aged fewer than 60 days, but it's not illegal to make it. I want to make it with you. Why would anyone bother making raw milk cheese? Mm. The flavor is generally better. When you heat the milk to high temperatures, it can taste scalded. Plus, you lose a lot of the nuance present in milk, especially milk from grazing animals. And that comes through in the cheese. It's a controversial subject, and perhaps in a future report, I'll go into it further. But now you know the basics. Hi, it's Mark Hurst, host of Tectonic, here on Wake and Bake with a little slice of tech pie. I recently spoke on the show with Jaron Lanier, who's known for pioneering virtual reality, about his new book called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Yes, that's actually the title. Lanier acknowledges that most people are going to keep checking their Facebook and Instagram accounts, but, he says, what's important is that we have a small minority of people who are not on those services and thus can think clearly. Here's what he said. It's absolutely crucial that there be 
at least some non-trivial minority of people who aren't part of the manipulation machine because that means the society as a whole at least is capable of having conversations that transcend it. If everybody is only talking through these machines, and these machines are not, Facebook is not neutral. Facebook enforces its own spiritual ideas, as I've said, but also many others in particular its own emotional framework, if there isn't at least some segment of the society that can speak from a place outside of that, we've really narrowed ourselves. And I think it might be a critical, even existential narrowing, because we need to be able to think clearly to face our real challenges of weapons of mass destruction, climate change, etc. And so I think if you're part of even a small number, and it might be quite a small number, it might be only a few percentage or something, but as long as there's people in the public space conversing outside of the system, it'll broaden the conversation for all of us. Again, that was Jaron Lanier speaking about his book, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. You can hear more along those lines Mondays at 6 p.m. on my show, Tectonic. This has been Mark Hurst with a little slice of tech pie. It's been so hot the last couple of days that, well, you try to drink more water, right? But how much water should you actually drink in a day? If you said eight glasses, that's the wrong answer. According to LiveScience.com, there's just no evidence to back up that eight-glass urban myth. Many studies now say that's too much water. You know, the foods we eat contain a lot of water. Fruits and vegetables have a lot of it. Watermelons and strawberries, they're 90% water. Milk, tea, juice, and soda, they're mostly water. Even coffee doesn't dehydrate you, according to recent studies. Harold, is the coffee all right? So how much water should you drink? I don't know. The National Academy of Sciences says women should get about 91 ounces of water from foods and beverages each day. That's 2.8 quarts. Men need more, 125 ounces a day. That's almost a gallon, which sounds like a lot, right? Yeah. Just slogging that stuff down all day. In this seat, we lose 2.5 pints of sweat an hour. Picture it in a beaker, a pint of sweat. <laughs> the truth is, there's no magic formula for how much you need to drink. You have to let your thirst be your guide. Your body will let you know when its water levels are Your urine can also tell you whether you're getting Your pee can also tell your tinkle can also tell a lot about if you're getting enough to drink. If it's dark yellow or orange, you might be dehydrated. If it's a pleasant pale yellow or colorless, wow, that's good, that's good. Look after old folks, little kids and pets during this heat, it's dangerous. Otherwise, enjoy your summer.
Good morning, listeners. Caroline Gollum here, senior contributor for Screen Slate, with your Movie Minute. But first, did you happen to catch that tiresome Forbes op-ed that made the rounds last month? Some Poindexter wrote a lot of shaving cream about how your local library is inefficient, costly, and obsolete. His solution? Put a certain Seattle-based behemoth in charge. Yawn. Bad news, bozo. The library is, in fact, a friend to cinephiles everywhere. Case in point, streaming service Canopy, which I liken to a working man's Netflix. If you have a library card, Canopy is free, and you can use it to stream up to 10 films a month. This week, Movie Minute is recommending a night in with one such available title, Jean-Paul Bécolo's Les Saignants. Cameroonian director Bécolo is known the world over for his archly funny, thoroughly unusual political satires, and Les Saignants is no exception. Set in the not-too-distant future, Saignants portrays a Cameroon-esque nation beset by corruption at the hands of, you guessed it, powerful men. Enter Majoli and Chouchou, a pair of glamorous young women who accidentally kill a politician during a sexual liaison. Nous étions belles. Nous étions fraîches. Nous étions féroces. Nous étions saignantes. Nous étions promises. Un festin. Piccolo's slippery story follows the titular bloodletters on a mission to belittle and behead any man that stands between them and total dominance. You can stream Les Saignants and sundry other obscure and enticing titles for free on Canopy. Their selection is quite vast and diverse, so get ready to do some digging. For WFMU and Screen Slate, this is Caroline Gollum, back next week with more cinematic goings-on. Until then, see you at the movies. This is Tuesday, August 7th. Today in history, my friends, on this day in 1794, U.S. President George Washington invokes the Militia Acts of 1792. Why? To suppress the Whiskey Rebellion in western Pennsylvania. Oh, they were whiskey crazy there. In 1909, Alice Hyler Ramsey and three of her girlfriends became the first women to complete a transcontinental auto trip. It took them 59 days in 1909 to travel from New York to San Francisco. Can you even imagine? 1944, IBM dedicates the first calculator, the Harvard Mark I. And considering uh, everything else they'd done up to that point, it all added up, that calculator. Oh, Jesus. 1955, Tokyo Telecommunications, later they became Sony, sells their first transistor radios in Japan. 1978, U.S. President Jimmy Carter declared a federal emergency at Love Canal, that's in the Niagara Falls area, due to toxic waste that had been disposed of negligently. And there's still echoes of that uh, today in the Love Canal area. 1987, Lynn Cox becomes the first person to swim from the United States to the Soviet Union, crossing the Bering Strait. The things people can do. Speaking of that, in 1974, Philip Petit performed a high wire act between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, 1,368 feet in the air. Man on a Wire. 1974. 1,360 feet below, Wall Street was just beginning to come to life when 
at a little past seven on the morning of August 7th, 1974, Philippe Petit stepped out onto the slender thrumming wire that stretched across the immense shimmering void. Whenever other worlds invite us, uh, whenever we are balancing on the boundaries of our limited human condition, that's where life starts. That's where you start feeling yourself living. Can you even imagine that, Matt Warwick, walking between uh, the uh, the World Trade Center towers no. on a wire? <laughs> I can't even I honestly get up can't. on a ladder I, and paint a I second gonna, floor of a house. I was just going to say, I don't think I could, like, get, like, I can only think I can look, like, out a window in a tall building. Are you afraid of heights? I didn't think that I was until I was in a situation where I was wasn't anything crazy. I just looked over a ledge and I was like, "Oh man, I'm scared of heights." I know some of these uh, balconies in uh, in Manhattan. I can't go out on them. Yeah, it's just because you look and you, there's just this little concrete shelf sticking out. Yeah. From a. Oh! <laughs> oh, I don't have enough energy to scream. I know, man. <laughs> You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm and join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.